Luke's account of Palm Sunday is found in the Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. You might want to turn your Bible or your device there. Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy to cheering crowds, waving palm branches, and saying, Hosanna to King Jesus! Actually, uh, you'll notice that Luke is the only gospel writer who leaves out the detail of the palm branches. Instead, Luke is focused on what Jesus had to say on this occasion. Uh, Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell him, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come when you... When your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side, they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. On Palm Sunday, Jesus spoke about time. And believe it or not, uh, this is all we're going to talk about today. Uh, just that one word, time. And some of you are not surprised because you know how pastors can go on and on about one word. Uh, I learned recently about a uh, pastor who uh, is quite upset about a uh, joker uh, who's done a little something in their church building. Uh, this pastor's church uh, renovated its restrooms, including... Uh, upgrading from paper towels to one of those uh, hand dryers. And uh, over several Sundays now, uh, this joker keeps putting the same sign over the hand dryer in the men's room. The sign has an arrow pointing down to the hand dryer with the words, For a sample of this week's sermon, push button. <laughs> and my first reaction was to laugh because I know this pastor... And he is full of hot air. But uh, my second reaction was to make some changes in the bullet, uh, blueprints for our new church building. <laughs> now we're not having restrooms. Uh, 
today we're just going to talk about one word. Uh, and this is not a case of uh, pastoral embellishment. This is an important word. Uh, Jesus is teaching an entire worldview and a life-changing truth in this one word. In verse uh, 44, Jesus says with tears, You did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem, he saw something that ripped out his heart. And in order to understand what Jesus saw, we need to understand how Jesus views time. So let's start with the Greek word uh, for time. There are several New Testament words for time. Uh, the word that is uh, most often used is uh, chronos, where we get words like chronology and chronicle and synchronize. And in the New Testament, chronos is just the general word for the movement of time. But chronos is not the word for time that is used here in verse 44. Here in verse 44, Luke uses a second less frequently used Greek word for time. And that word is kairos. Kairos is not a general reference to the movement of time. Kairos refers to a specific window of opportunity. Uh, Kairos refers to a time period. a, A time period with a definite beginning and a definite ending. Uh, I'm emphasizing this definition for the word kairos because it summarizes God's view of time. What you need to know is that until God revealed himself in the people and the events of Scripture, um, every culture and every person on earth had a cyclical view of time. Until in the Bible, God revealed that he had a plan for human history and that this plan included a definite beginning and a definite ending to human history. Until God revealed this in Scripture, every people of every culture had a cyclical view of history. Up until that point... People just took their cues from nature. Uh, They saw how spring uh, flows into summer and summer flows into fall and so forth. And they couldn't see any movement in history or any purpose in history. All they could see were endless cycles. This led to the worldview of human existence that that humanity was just a never-ending series of undirected, unintentional, you could say meaningless cycles with no end game in history or any God-directed purpose or plan. And today, about a third of Earth's population still has this cyclical worldview. Um, Hindu, Buddhist, uh, other cultures uh, that have not been influenced by the Old and New Testament still view time as a never-ending series of unguided, meaningless cycles. But the Bible teaches a totally different worldview. In Scripture, God reveals that human history is not a purposeless, never-ending cycle. The Bible teaches that God has a plan, and He has put this world, and every person in this world on Kairos time. God does not see history as a meaningless cycle. 
God does not see your life as a meaningless cycle. God has put me on Kairos time. God has put you on Kairos time. What does it mean that God has put me on Kairos time? It means that God has a specific expiration date on my earthly life. My life has a definite beginning and a definite ending. Uh, And you may say, well, doesn't everybody think that? And the answer is no. Uh, Those who function under a cyclical worldview adopt alternate philosophies, such as reincarnation. If I have a cyclical worldview, it drives me to a philosophy that my current life as Steve Tresh is just one incarnation in an endless series of cycles. And if I don't do well in this life, I have a second chance and a third chance in various incarnations. The biblical worldview is the opposite. God reveals in Scripture that there are no second chances because God has me on Kairos time. I have a finite set of opportunities to do what is most important in this life. And if I miss my window of opportunity, I miss my one and only chance, and I suffer the consequences. Kairos time means that when it comes to the most important things in life, I don't get second and third chances. Kairos time means that when it comes to the most important things in this life, my window of opportunity has a firm beginning and a firm ending. God has put me on Kairos time. And that means when it comes to the most important things in life, I get one shot. You get one shot. And if I understand the eternal consequences of this Kairos truth, then I really understand why Jesus wept on that first Palm Sunday. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he could see something that the people of the city could not see. What did Jesus see? Well, Jesus saw people who did not understand how little time they had left to live. Uh, In verse 43 and verse 44, Jesus says that the reason he wept over these people is because he could see a day when their lives would come to an end. And Jesus could see that their Kairos time window was very short. And by the way, what Jesus foretells here in the way of enemies and embankments encircling Jerusalem actually took place in 70 A.D., a few short years after this gospel was written. But let's be clear about why Jesus is weeping. Jesus is not weeping because he sees people who don't know that they are going to die someday. Um, Everyone knows that they are going to die someday, and so Jesus is not weeping over people who don't know that they're dying. Jesus is weeping over people who are not really living because they think they have lots of time to spare. Jesus sees people who act like they have all the time in the world when they don't. Jesus sees people who get one shot to make life count, and they're wasting it. And the question today is, could it be that Jesus is weeping over me?
Could it be that today Jesus is weeping over you? Could it be that Jesus weeps over you because you are not living like you understand the shortness of your Kairos time window of opportunity? What do I mean? Well, I find it interesting that while referring to the shortness of life, Jesus brings up families, uh, specifically children in verse 44. I think it's fitting because it's usually right at home where we most miss our Kairos window of opportunity on a human level. Not long ago, I stood with a uh, father uh, just minutes uh, before a wedding. And uh, with tears in his eyes, this father said, I blinked. And then he couldn't get out any more words. He was overwhelmed with emotion. And then a little bit later, he was able to finish the sentence. And he motioned to his daughter, the bride, and he said, It seems like just yesterday she was running and jumping into my arms when I got home from work. And I blinked. I just blinked. And in this case, the father's tears were bittersweet. But I have heard other parents say the same thing. I blinked. Except it's just bitter. I've heard parents sob because they blinked at their Kairos moment of opportunity with their children such that now they look back with agonizing regret that their children grew up only once and they missed it because they got too wrapped up in the busyness of life to cherish their Kairos time with their children. They missed the moment to express love to their kids at an age when their kids were eager to receive it. They missed their one and only opportunity to teach them about the love of Jesus when they were tender and eager for the truth. Parents, if you have kids at home, start today. Slow down and actually put your arm around your kids. Listen to them. Love them. Look them in the eye. Enjoy them in the moment you have them. It's your kairos moment. But just like parents can miss their Kairos window of opportunity with their children, kids can miss their parents too. I was standing at the bedside of an older gentleman who hung between life and death after a sudden heart failure and a nurse started telling me about this son who kept calling on the phone uh, pleading with the hospital staff to keep his dad alive. He kept saying that he was coming to the hospital from out of state and he had to tell his father something. He kept saying that over and over again. I, I have to tell him something. Please don't let him die. And of course the hospital staff did everything they could. This son drove as fast as he could, but it wasn't enough. And just seeing this son just crumple on the hospital floor and sob with the realization that it was too late. Reminded me of a popular song that, that's decades old now, but they still play it, especially around Father's Day. It, it's called The Living Years, and it goes like this. I know that I'm a prisoner to all my father held so dear. I know that I'm a hostage to all his hopes and fears. I just wish I could have told him in the living years. 
I wasn't there that morning when my father passed away. I didn't get a chance to tell him all the things I had to say. I think I caught his spirit later that same year. I'm sure I heard his echo in my baby's newborn tears. I just wish I could have told him in the living years. Say it loud, the chorus says. Say it clear. You can listen as well as you hear. It's too late when we die to admit that we don't see eye to eye. This is a song about Kairos time. About the fact that there's a definite beginning and there's a definite ending to life. Which means that I have a... I have a finite set of opportunities to do what is most important in this life on a human level. And that includes expressing love to those who should know that I love them. And arranging things so that I have no regrets. Kairos time means that when it comes to the most important things in life, I do not get a second chance. There are some things I can only do in the living years. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, the apostle says, Be wise, making the most of every opportunity. And of course, that word opportunity is the word kairos. In Galatians 6, verse 10, Paul says, Therefore, as you have opportunity, and that word is kairos, he says, do good to all people. The question for me, The question for you is, in view of the shortness of life, are you making the most of every opportunity? Or are you wasting this one and only shot? Uh, Are there some words of love that you need to say that you haven't said enough? Are there some words of peace that you need to say in an attempt to heal a wounded relationship? If there's something you need to say in the living years, then say it. Say it with your mother and father. Say it to your son or daughter. Say it to your husband or wife. Say it loud. Say it clear before it's too late. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he could see something that the people of the city could not see. He could see that they were wasting precious time. And soon it would be too late. Jesus saw people who didn't understand on a human level how little time they had to live. But second, Jesus saw people who did not understand how little time they had left to join the celebration. And this refers to the the, the vertical level, the spiritual level with God. In verse 44, Jesus says that he weeps because you do not recognize this Kairos time of God's coming to you. Jesus wept on the first Palm Sunday because he saw people who were in the process of missing their one and only chance to receive the Savior of their souls and join the celebration. Palm Sunday was a celebration. I love the words of verse 37. When Jesus came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. 
the followers of Jesus could celebrate because they were personally involved in God's work. They were personally involved in the miraculous process of bringing people to Jesus and seeing these people healed of blindness and released from bondage to sin and death. And of course, Jesus knew that Palm Sunday's celebration was just a foretaste of what his followers would experience in one week on Easter Sunday. But while Jesus laughed and sang and rejoiced with those who were part of the Palm Sunday parade, verse 41 says that Jesus also wept. He wept over those who were not part of the celebration. When Jesus looked down upon Jerusalem, he saw people who were wasting their one and only opportunity to follow him and to make the most of that vertical relationship with God. When Jesus wept for people, he could see them. They're just content, apathetic. They're uh, just making money there in the town and paying taxes and plodding through their joyless routines and missing their time for salvation, their time to be part of the celebration. Jesus is weeping because of his love for these people. Jesus loves them so much that he's going to die on the cross for them so that they can be forgiven, so that they can have a relationship with God. But Jesus weeps for them because they're going to miss this celebration. If they were just to follow Jesus in that Kairos time that they have, they could be filled with joy. Because for believers, Kairos time is a joyful truth. As a follower of Jesus, Kairos time refers to the truth that God has purpose. God has meaning for my life, my lifespan, however long or short it is here on earth. As a follower of Jesus, the shortness of my life is motivation for me to invest my limited time in what matters for eternity. Invest my limited energy into what really matters to God. Invest my limited resources into personally being involved in God's work and part of the miracles that happen as I let Jesus live through me. You know, I know that Jesus has this kind of investment in mind for my Kairos time because of what Jesus said moments before he got on that Palm Sunday cult. Uh, look at how the, the Palm Sunday uh, story starts in verse 28. Uh, these words, after Jesus had said this, he went down into Jerusalem. What did Jesus say? Well, if you look in the verses before, Jesus told a parable. Uh, in other Gospels, it's called the parable of the talents. But here, in Luke 19, Jesus refers to a mina, uh, which was a coin worth about three months' wages. And in this parable, a king gives ten of his servants one mina each and says, put it to work until I get back. When the king comes back, he praises the servant who uh, takes that one mina and invests it and earns ten more. And then he also celebrates the uh, other servant who created, uh, who invested and got five mina in return. The, the, the king rejoices and celebrates them and includes them in this great um, party of celebration. But then Jesus takes a deep breath and says, but the servant who took that coin and buried it 
who didn't invest with the king in mind, that servant lost everything. The king took that coin away and gave it to the one who earned ten. And after Jesus said this, this parable, Jesus looked down the Mount of Olives and to the people who were missing their Kairos moment, and he wept. Jesus wept because he saw people who are about to miss the king's celebration and lose everything in the process because they were not investing with the king in mind. And I just wonder if it might be possible that Jesus is weeping for you today because you're missing the celebration. God has given you one coin, one life, one opportunity to join the celebration by investing this one life into what matters to the king. You're either part of the celebration or you're part of the group that Jesus is weeping over. Which are you? Maybe you're one of those who has never even started a relationship with God because you say, I'll get serious with God some other day. Right now, I'm just too busy. If this is you, Jesus weeps for you because this is your time. And your time is very short. Or maybe you have a relationship with God, but you say, I'll invest in my relationship with God later. Uh, I'm busy right now. But this is you. Jesus weeps for you. Because this is your time. And your time is short. Now is the time to invest in your relationship with God. Now is the time to boldly invest in your prayer life. Now is the time to be courageous in spiritual conversations with your friends and introducing Jesus to your co-workers. Now is the time to use your resources for God's work in the church. Now is the time to step out of your comfort zone and follow Jesus in a miracle-filled adventure of letting the risen Jesus live through you. Now is the time, because time is short. Can you imagine what it would be like to uh, wake up one morning and look in the newspaper and see your picture and a write-up about you in the obituary section. Well, a guy named Alfred had this experience. Uh, One morning, Alfred opened up the newspaper, and there was his picture and a whole write-up about his life in the obituary section. And it was a big write-up. Because Alfred was a famous millionaire inventor of dynamite. But as shocking as it was to read his own obituary, it was even more shocking for him to read the headline of his obituary. It read, The Merchant of Death is Dead. And of course, Alfred wasn't dead. It was his brother Ludwig who had died, and the newspaper got that important fact confused. But that moment, that misprint, was life-changing for Alfred. He decided that he had to do something to change the headline of his life. He didn't want to be remembered as the merchant of death. So over the next eight years of his life, uh, until his death, he donated $9 million of his wealth to fund uh, awards in science, literature, and peacemaking. 
and awards which continue to have a world-benefiting impact to this day. His name was Alfred Nobel, and nobody remembers him as the merchant of death. Everyone thinks of him as the author of the Nobel Prize. Alfred Nobel got the opportunity to look at the end of his life and see the Kairos reality. And it motivated him to change the headline of his life. If you open your eyes, you'll see Jesus weeping over the same Kairos reality in your life, perhaps. Listen to him calling to you to change the headline of your life while there is still time.